What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You are listening to KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. Hi, I'm Mike. Founder of DollarShaveClub.com. What is DollarShaveClub.com? Well, for a dollar a month, we send high-quality razors right to your door. Yeah, a dollar. Are the blades any good? No. Our blades are f***ing great. Each razor has stainless steel blades and aloe vera lubricating strip and a pivot head. It's so gentle a toddler could use it. And do you like spending $20 a month on brand name razors? 19 go to Roger Federer. I'm good at tennis. And do you think your razor needs a vibrating handle, a flashlight, a back scratcher, and ten blades? Your handsome-ass grandfather had one blade and polio. Looking good, pop-up! Stop paying for shave tech you don't need. And stop forgetting to buy your blades every month. Alejandro and I are going to ship them right to you. We're not just selling razors. We're also making new jobs. Alejandro, what were you doing last month? Not working. What are you doing now? Working. I'm no Vanderbilt, but this train makes hay. So stop forgetting to buy your blades every month and start deciding where you're going to stack all those dollar bills I'm saving you. We are DollarShaveClub.com, and the party is on. My son was in the Army back during Desert Storm, but even then he wanted an MBA. He looked at a dozen schools, but only one offered the online education and flexibility he needed while he was in a tent in Iraq, Grantham University. Turns out that Grantham's been delivering affordable, relevant college and advanced degrees for over 65 years. Heck, if they can deliver a quality education to a soldier in a tent overseas, think about the flexibility Grantham can offer you so you can earn your degree too. It doesn't matter how complicated or full your life is. If getting a degree is on your bucket list, you'll want to do what my son did. You'll want to call Grantham. Find out how easy it is to get started on your education so you can check that college degree off your bucket list. Call Grantham right now. 800-910-1370. That's 800-910-1370. Flexible. Affordable. Relevant. Call 800-910-1370. Tired of paying outrageous prices for Viagra? Well, we have great news for you. Now you can finally get Viagra at huge discounts. Healthy Man allows you to save up to $500 on Viagra. Why pay U.S. pharmacy prices of $15 per pill or more when you can get Viagra for less than $3 a pill? Call today and get 40 Viagra pills for only $99. This can cost as much as $600 at your local pharmacy. You can't afford not to call us. If you want Viagra at the lowest prices, never pay $15 a pill pharmacy prices again. Get Viagra for less than $3 a pill. Call 1-800-516-7602 today and save up to $500 and get 40 pills for just $99. Healthy Man is fast, easy, and affordable. Operators are waiting at 1-800-516-7602 to take your call right now. Call 1-800-516-7602. That's 1-800-516-7602. Again, 1-800-516-7602. 
Attention business owners and independent contractors. This is a money-saving message from Tax Mediation Services. If your business owes $20,000 or more in taxes, we can help you today, right now. Listen, dealing with the IRS is no picnic. It's an intimidating and extremely stressful process, and you don't want to go it alone. Our attorneys know every law, every tax break, and every possible opportunity to help you resolve and reduce your tax debt. And if you owe more than $20,000, you may be at the top of their hit list. So don't take your tax debt lightly because it will not go away on its own. The IRS can seize your bank accounts, your home, and even shut down your business. Call our tax experts today at 1-800-783-0810 and let us deal with the IRS while you focus on your business. That's 1-800-783-0810. Again, that's 800-783-0810. The following program contains coarse language and adult themes. Listener discretion is advised. She's the other half, Miss Stacey Lennox, and this is whatever. <laughs> and it's been one of those one of those weeks where the title fits because right now I'm just looking at everything, saying what the fuck ever. <sighs> whatever. Well, I've already been anesthetized today, so you know I'm batting a thousand. I wish I was anesthetized. So if, kinda... if you start hearing deep snoring, that's because you know medication. Starting to feel like I might I might need to add some Bailey's to my iced coffee so I can kind of keep up over here. Yeah, there you go. But, well, but anyway, so you know, when all of a sudden one of the discs in your neck goes squish, you got to take something before bed to be able to sleep. It's actually really funny, like going to pain management doctors for long enough because you've always like heard a pill does X, and they're like, no, it doesn't really do, do that. It just makes you not care. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, they're, you're not really getting a muscle relaxer. You're just getting something that messes with your brain and you just don't care. And then you're really like, whatever. <laughs> well, yeah, like, so. so so here's the thing. You know me. I'm always kind of a science nerd. And I was reading, yeah. reading through some stuff the other day. And I realized I, there was something about acetaminophen that I didn't know. The reason it works is because it actually blocks your pain receptors. It doesn't actually do anything to make the pain go away. It just makes you stop being able to feel it, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, like the only things that supposedly got to the root of your pain were anti-inflammatories like NSAIDs, but they're not very good for you. And now they're finding like long-term, like the first one was Vioxx. That just killed you outright, right? <laughs> like they had to pull off the market after it was fully FDA approved. Another case where one of the drug companies hit a bunch of stuff in their trials. Um, but now they're finding all of them, Tordal, ibuprofen, naproxen, like all of them have long-term risks for like heart attack and stroke if you take them all the time. So the one thing I know is supposed to actually treat the inflammation is actually like not good for you long-term. So I can't take those either. So I'll just take the ones that make me forget. I mean, I was reading something today because I'm looking to start a feature on PJ Media, like health and wellness kind of stuff. The studies that people don't put out there that go through proper review and all that. Um, Actually, turns out endorphins do more for depression than antidepressants. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, that's so like go out, get some exercise and spend 20 minutes in the sun. And that's going to do as much for your depression as any pill they're going to give you. 
<sighs> but you no, know, no. I mean, that's something that a lot of the, the the health conscious folks have said for a long time that you know, getting some endorphins and some sunshine is going to do more for your depression than anything else. Um, I've noticed for me, if I'm like super super depressed, and it, it's going to seem a little weird. Because, I mean, I, I I don't know about you guys, but I do have, especially lately, times when I'm just like, yeah, I don't feel like doing anything. If I go outside and stand in my yard without my shoes on, within like 10 or 15 minutes, I just feel like my entire attitude has changed. Apparently, there's a practice called grounding, which I've kind of been looking into. Because once, once I realized what it was doing, I started looking into it. I, did, I don't know, it's just something about the free exchange of energy between the ground and you and somehow it affects your mood or something but I don't know I'm still trying I'm still trying to translate it from mumbo jumbo hippie bullshit into English so I'm still trying to figure it out <laughs> um I was just trying to figure out who in the chat was marrying the finished PM so uh, no, that's, that's all that's Jeff yeah no they told me well, if you had said something... And apparently it's irrelevant that she's already married. Well, okay. Because Jeff's, uh, Jeff's the alien version of Mormon, so it doesn't matter. Oh, okay. All right. They're all in the political... I don't, know all the, I don't know all the backstories, I have to admit, so... Oh, no, I'm... You just, know. I'm, I'm but just, no, I'm, I'm like, for the last... For the last 30 days, I did something called an autoimmune um, protocol diet. Where you like take everything out. You take ev- you take dairy. You take gluten. You take nuts. You take grains. You take you take ev- you take eggs. Like you can eat meat, most vegetables, but nothing in a pod like a green bean. Um, and no, like just almost no anything. Right. I did that for a month. Never felt better in my life. Just like complete clean eating, grass-fed beef, natural pork, no nitrates in the in the meats, the whole nine yards. I mean, it was phenomenal. Now I'm starting to add foods back, and I can tell which ones my body just doesn't like. When you take them all out for 30 days, it's pretty wild. Very, very interesting. And it's the first time since I was about six that caffeine actually made me hyper. (laughs) I can't say that. I went off caffeinated soda for years, and the first time I had one on a road trip, I felt like I'd snorted cocaine or something. I mean, I was just over the top. Um, But I literally had a cup of tea. We were The first day I could have caffeine again, because I could drink herbal tea, but I couldn't drink any actual like black or green tea because it had caffeine in it. Um, I had my first cup of, of caffeinated tea on the way home from my parents with my son. And about an hour into the ride, he looks at me and goes, Mom, are you going to talk all five hours? <laughs> and I'm like, holy shit, the caffeine got to me. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stacy on caffeine. I am Corholio. I need TP from my bum hole. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was it was interesting, but I'm proud I'm proud to say that chocolate does not disagree with me. So I'm thinking I'm thinking on um, unfermented dairy does though. So hmm, interesting. So speaking of interesting, interesting thing happened this week. Governor DeSantis did what Joe Biden's been doing for two years and everybody had a fit. <laughs> yeah, I know. I love that. I love him. I really want President DeSantis. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much on board with the whole President DeSantis thing. I think everybody else... Well, then how, how in the world... How in the world do we have President Trump 40 points ahead? I've actually heard people tell me, well, I think he deserves another term after what he's gone through. No, that's not how we elect a president. This is not a sympathy vote, damn it. It's the person that's this is not. This is not a, oh, you tried. No, no, that's not what any of this is. 
And here's the my here's my weekly why it should be Ron DeSantis instead of Trump. Okay. Well, tell us. Go ahead. So Ron DeSantis has endorsed candidates in Florida, and he's actually using the money he's raised through his PAC to support said candidates that he has endorsed. Because he raised a sick amount of money. Dude raised like $130 million because he is raising money nationally now because he's a national political figure, right? So he's actually using those funds through his PAC that he established to support candidates for school boards, for state rep, for if he's endorsed them, his PAC is donating to them. Makes sense. Donald Trump handpicked Mehmet Oz, Herschel Walker, J.D. Vance, and Blake Masters, right? Along with Carrie Lake, etc. The Senate group cut them all off because they were so far behind to begin with. Now they're in neck and neck or slightly ahead in their races and Trump's not supporting them at all. And neither is Peter Thiel who also put two of them out there. Yeah, go figure. Like if you're going, you need to put your money where your mouth is in politics. That's how it works. And you had to know that when you have Blake Masters out there talking about cracking down on the border and America first policies and families should be able to, to have children and live on, live a decent life on one income. You know, when you have JD Vance talking about working class issues, Herschel Walker is just kind of a walking disaster, but I'm going to have to vote for him because I can't vote for Warnock. Um, Mehmet Oz, there was another America first candidate that, is a politician that Mehmet Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky Lucky? In line at the deli I guess Aha in my dentist's office more than once actually Do I have to say? Yes you do In the car before my kids PTA meeting Really? Yes Excuse me what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky I never win and tell well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Because of Donald Trump's endorsement, you're not, you know Mitch McConnell is not going to support Trump-endorsed candidates, so what did Trump think they were going to do? Like Oprah Winfrey's audience that has known Dr. Oz for decades is not all of a sudden going to vote for a Republican just because he was on TV. That's not how any of this works. It didn't happen with Trump. So I'm like money mouth. Like I know you've talked about, you've talked about freeing the, you know, pardoning the January 6th folks. I think almost any Republican will do that for some of them, especially with the whistleblower stuff that's coming out. Where's your money paying for their their lawyers? Where's that money? Where's even just even some donation? You have one that killed themselves. Have you done anything for that family? Nope. They're in jail because they believed what you said and they I believe got caught up in an FBI honey trap. Honey pot trap. And now we have all of these things coming out that the um, FBI is like saying, hey, don't really look at child sexual abuse and let's fabricate some stuff so we can look like there's a bunch of white extremists. I mean, the stuff that whistleblowers are coming to Republicans with is out of out of like so far beyond what you would think could possibly go on in a, in a Republic such as ours, but these people are swearing to it, to congressional reps. And they're defying the attorney general saying, don't talk to Congress to do it. Yeah. I mean, these people are risking their, their jobs at minimum to tell, to tell well, these people what they know. So, I mean, this one, this one is just insane. Let's see. Dun, dun, dun. A new whistleblower 
Sorry, my computer's loading. A new whistleblower information reveals that the FBI is moving agents off of child sexual abuse investigations to instead pursue political investigations. The whistleblower recounted being told that child sexual abuse investigations were no longer an FBI priority. And why would that be exactly? Uh Uh-huh. New whistleblower disclosures indicate the WFO's handling of DVE investigations relating to January 6th diverges from established practice in a way that overstates the national domestic violent extremist threat. That overstates the national domestic violent extremist threat. One whistleblower has described how cases are ordinarily characterized and labeled by the originating field office with leads cut to other field offices for specific assistance in that geographic location. The whistleblower alleged the FBI has not followed regular procedure with respect to January 6th cases, which should be officially led by the WFO and categorized as WFO cases. Instead, task force, what is WFO? Washington field office, sorry. Instead, task force members in Washington, D.C. identified potential subjects and possible locations where these individuals reside. The task force disseminates information packets with instructions to open full investigations to local field offices around the country. As such, if a subject lives in Dallas, the Dallas field office is expected to open the case. Although the field offices, there, although the local field offices therefore appear to be running the cases on paper, The Washington field office is directing the field office special agents to just open the case in their geographic area. So they're trying to make it look like a bigger deal than it is. Sorry, I'm trying to get page two and it's not wanting to give it to me. And and the Washington field office is performing and approving all of the investigated work and paperwork for the case file. So the whistleblower described how there are active criminal investigations of January 6th subjects in which I am listed as the case agent, but have not done any of the investigative work. And the whistleblower supervisor has not approved any paperwork within those investigative files. The scheme allows you to continue to support on paper your assertion that the FBI is a field-based law enforcement organization and the vast majority of our investigations should continue to be worked by our field offices while actually running investigations from Washington. So he's basically saying the whole January 6th thing is being run from the D.C. field office and like nobody in the field office has any visibilities into it. It's all all craziness. I mean, it's it's just more proof that everything's become way too political. (laughs) When, When law enforcement becomes political, there's an issue. Well, I mean, it's clearly political at this point. But that's just it. It's not supposed to be. I don't. I don't really know when the blurring happened. I mean, I well, I, I guess I really do, because um, each agency kind of used to keep to itself until the Patriot Act happened, and then there was this blurring because it was supposed to make communication easier, and then it was like all the bad habits from each agency kind of got compounded by everybody else's bad habits. And now they've all just figured out how to work together to be total controlling assholes. And it's it's really getting dangerously close to a police state. Nobody wants to talk about that. <laughs> without a doubt. Without a doubt. But yeah, so, you know, speaking of DeSantis, I think the interesting thing is at this point, the Democratic Party is now trying to find a way to make sure that there are charges pressed against both of the apparent Republican frontrunners because... Now they're trying. To, oh my god! Now they're trying to investigate DeSantis How? for human trafficking for doing what? Well, no. Did you did you see the article already? I can't. I think it was the New York Times. Like basically, the articles are already coming out. How DeSantis is actually worse than Trump. <laughs> you can tell they're not scared of Donald Trump at all. They are terrified of Ron DeSantis because he gets things done. Well, yeah, no. I mean, he's not going to have the same problem filling positions that Donald Trump is going to have. Well, yeah, I mean, so the other issue is, and and nobody's really talking about this, by DeSantis doing what he did, he got the entire country talking about immigration. Uh huh. Ahead of the midterm. 
But here's the here's the thing that, they, and this is just you know for everybody that's out there, everybody that's listening, stop calling all of these people like the Martha's Vineyard crew and whatever hypocrites because that's not what they are. They are racist who passed policies, who, who backed policies, or supported or passed policies to try to hide the fact that they were racist, and they just got caught being racist. So stop calling them hypocrites. They are they are the racists. They're the ones. And just give me a second to explain. As of what today's what the twentieth, so eleven days from now, once the numbers close for the fiscal year, they're anticipating that there'll be 2.3 million migrants that have flooded across the border for fiscal year uh, that is just about to close. He sent 48, I believe was the number, to Martha's Vineyard. And they yes, call, they, they that call, is the number. They called out almost three times that much National Guard to cart them off 36 hours later. If that's not racist propaganda bullshit, I don't know what is. Because they're the ones with the signs up everywhere, love is love, nobody's illegal, blah, 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 until they're actually in town with them, and they're like, oh, we gotta get them the fuck out. I mean, I know people that are in, like, uh, that are familiar with the area that are in some Martha's Vineyard groups, and one of, somebody, as soon as, as soon as they saw the story about them landing, they're like, um, does anybody know a good locksmith? Well, and... Ron DeSantis's wonderful campaign communications person who used to run communications out of his office, Christina Peshaw, actually has it right. It's not hypocrisy, it's hierarchy. I can see that. That makes more sense. Well, I mean, stop and think about it. You had Democrat mayors in border towns down in Texas calling Washington, D.C., saying, my town can't handle this. My town is falling apart. And they get no response. Martha's Vineyard gets 48, deports them to a National Guard base within 40 hours. And the the entire administration is like, oh, my God, we have to do something. We have to do something. It's hierarchy. We live in an effective oligarchy. And I was super proud of Glenn Beck today when he said, we're headed towards some kind of feudalism. I'm like, will you please read Joel Kotkin's neo-feudalism? It's exactly what the world, yes, the Great Reset is a big deal, but this is what it's going to result in. You will own nothing and be happy. That is feudalism. My goodness. I can't recommend that book enough. I'm ready to be a prole. Like I look, I look at the at the book. Oh, which one is it now? Is it 1984? Yeah, that would be the one. Okay. And I'm just like, if you look at the original essay of "You Will Own Nothing and Be Happy," right? It's this person beatification, beatifying. Oh, look at us, and we get everything we want. We just call a number, and it's droned into us. But there are these poor people who didn't want to engage in our lifestyle, and they live out in the rural areas. It's, we're sad that they don't want to join us. I think being out with those people is going to be the fun part. The people who know how to do shit and make shit and and grow shit, like, we'll be fine. Don't feel sorry for us, you little drones. You'll be that way. We'll be over here. Not eating crickets. <sighs> as long as they give the opt-out option, uh, okay, that's fine. Because I won't be opting in. So what are we opting on? I missed something somewhere. This whole great reset... Uh, uh, humanists you know we're gonna plug your brain into the computer well you know no thank you you know they're not gonna let you opt out you're gonna have to like go off the grid and shit and disappear well as long as they well but see once they do that you can't disappear they're going to somehow to some degree have to allow it I don't know. I have a feeling, and I think in the first generation they'll almost have to. 
Well, I think in I think in the near future where it's going to be pretty much like demolition man kind of stuff where if you if you're part of the in crowd then you're above ground, got all the cool technology, blah blah blah, yada yada yada, and if you're not, you live in the sewers. Personally, at this point, I'd rather roll around in some green jello in the sewers. Uh-huh. Because at least I can, at least I can do what I want. And that's funny because that actually, the line from Demolition Man where he's talking about that actually used to be part of my opening for America Off the Rails years ago. <laughs> I want to eat fried foods. I want to be able to get fat. I want to roll around naked in green jello. Yeah, that whole thing was in my intro for the longest. <laughs> uh, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> okay, have we, seen the, have we seen the shop teacher in Canada? Wait, there's a shop teacher in Canada. I didn't. I thought those were extinct up there. Um, so no, I guess I haven't. Heard. There's a shop teacher in Canada that believes he's trans and has decided to appear in school with fake breasts the size of large watermelons and nipples the size of tennis balls. Uh, sounds more like an attention whore who was a nerd in school. Well, apparently Tucker Carlson, <laughs> I, oh my goodness, I don't know why I need to know these things, but apparently people like, ugh, my goodness, um, it, apparently people tell me things. Um, yeah, so here, here's Canadian dude. I'm dropping him in chat because I've seen it. Everybody should see it. See, I hate people like you. <laughs> I get, I get, I'm sorry. I get people that say that so to me all the time. Apparently, apparently just so everybody has to have this visualization that I'm having, okay? Because apparently Tucker Carlson got a, got a hold of this news and reads a piece about this guy who is a shop teacher who the school district is defending. Like, yeah, this is fine. Really? He said it looks that he looks to be that he's participating in some Japanese sex porn thing called Exploding Milkers. I think that's what it was. Said part of the sexual fantasy is having kids participate simply by observing and being exposed to it. So this dude is like living out his sexual fetishes through his teaching position and the and the district is worried about people who would object to him showing up in school that way. Mm. <sighs> well, I mean, it's, it's Canada. <laughs> oh my God. Prime minister hairdo needs to go. <laughs> oh, so, you know, I just, you know, you know, with the recent passing of the queen, I learned something that I, I was unaware of. Apparently somehow Canada is still affiliated with, with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Great Britain through like whatever they're whatever the hell. It's part of the Commonwealth. Is but yeah, I was just like I didn't even know that was still a thing. But yeah, so anyway, I guess. Prime Minister Hairdo got to sit closer than Joe Biden, so at the funeral, so whatever. <laughs> JC, <laughs> JC, meet an old shop teacher. You still have all your fingers. Cool. Meet a fetish shop teacher. You still have both your nipples, huh? <laughs> 
Oh, good Lord. <laughs> oh, I think the anesthesia is getting to me. Oh, Probably. my goodness. My goodness. So did, you All hear, right. so did you hear Joe Biden said the pandemic is over? I did, and Dr. Fauci is like, no, no, it's not. No, it's not. It can't be over. Don't take away my cash cow. Well, what's really interesting to me, okay, and I still need to do a VIP on this, so you guys are getting the advance. So Joe Biden does this speech the day that it's announced that the federal government is not buying any more of these shots because something like 3% of parents have decided to vaccinate the youngest children. Like, it's just not happening. Nobody's going to buy into this for school. No, like, no, right? So the U.S. government is not going to buy anymore. So Joe Biden gets up during his cancer moonshot speech and says, well, these pharma companies are telling us what saved us during COVID might, might fight cancer, mRNA. No. No, that means the government is going to continue to fund Moderna and Pfizer with this MRA and pretend that it's going to cure cancer when it's not. You know what did cure cancer that was actually saved lives during the pandemic? Monoclonal antibodies. They did a trial, a small trial of monoclonal antibodies in late stage colon cancer or one of those types of cancer. And all 11 participants went into remission. That never happens. You want a cancer moonshot? You're looking at monoclonal antibodies. A couple years ago, researchers in Scotland figured out how to make the food that the cancer cells really like to eat light up so that Doctors can see it under a scope so that it can be injected directly into tumors with a little bit of poison. So the cancer cells eat the poison and your body cells don't. Something like that could treat any kind of cancer. Why are we effing around with mRNA, which is just as likely to have killed millions of people globally? By making your body manufacture a spike protein over and over and over again and creating six-foot-long clots in 16-year-olds, okay? You just answered your own question, though. I know I answered my own question. But nobody serious, serious about curing cancer is looking at mRNA. Nobody. We have two potential treatments out there that have both proved in concept and one is proven in a small trial that's where the money should go just like we shouldn't be putting money into electric vehicles that have lithium batteries we should be looking at energy that has hydrogen and and aluminum batteries which is are recyclable it solves both your co2 problem and your waste problem like none of these none of these people are serious about solving the problems in front of them. They are only serious about paying off their friends. Again, we go back to not hypocrisy hierarchy, paying off their friends and ensuring that the rest of us can't enter that class. Like Zuckerberg is going to be one of the last billionaires to walk in. His family, he came from nothing and he invented this platform called Facebook, right? While he was in college. He's going to be one of the last guys that gets to walk in. Actually, there's a rumor that he stole that that idea from his college roommate, but I haven't been able to substantiate that. (laughs) Wouldn't surprise (sighs) me, though. But no... Uh, I don't know. And, and I, I wasn't trying to push a button. I'm just saying you answered your own question because the reason they want everybody focusing on mRNA is because it is just as likely to be fatal. These are all the same things that they're still pushing right now with this new Agenda 2030 or whatever the hell they're calling it, where they want so much of the world's population decreased by 2030. They want this. They want that. They're finding ways to get it done by making us think that we have to do things to make ourselves better 
when in reality we're slowly killing ourselves because we're doing what they tell us to do. I mean, you said it yourself just a second ago. How much better did you feel when you stopped eating all the crap that they tell us we should eat and you ate only the stuff that was basically natural? Way better. So, I mean, at this point, if you really think the government is here to help you, then I, I, I have a nice bridge in Brooklyn that I would like to talk to you about because you're going to love it. Um, because, yeah, these people are only in all of this for themselves. It's the same reason why we keep seeing people that go into D.C. thinking they're going to make changes that eventually wind up worse than or uh, worse than the people they went in to fight or sometimes they just get thrown out wholesale. I mean, you know, look at all the people that have went into D.C. with this idea of I'm going to be the yeah, no, but for like, done. And... What I don't understand, what I don't understand is the business people. Business people, by nature, by disposition, and in order to be successful, right, have to solve problems. How do they get in a bed with a get into bed with a government that is incapable, if not impervious, to solving any problem put in front of it? Because most business people don't solve problems anymore. They push products. But even to push products, you have to solve problems. Not necessarily. I mean, I worked for product-based companies. You have to solve problems. You have to solve manufacturing problems. You have to solve supply chain problems. You have, you have to solve all kinds of problems. But to they, effectively get your product to market. But do they really, though? Because look at all the shit we've been dealing with for the last two years, and these people are still making money. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't have all of the answers. I just know that at this point, the people that are in charge don't want to make things better. Um, I mean, this isn't the first time that we've heard about something that would, that actually, I mean, there, there was a study that you talked about when we first started doing Kung Fu's Pew that, you know, that was, stuff was going in and killing cancer cells, like eating them. Uh, but you know, yes, that, that's, that's, that's the Scottish study. Yeah. But, but that's not acceptable because at that point they don't want a cure. They want a prevention because if they can get you hooked on a preventative that makes you feel better and make you take that for the rest of your lives, they have a gravy train. That's the problem. We have stopped trying to solve problems and just tried to make the problem feel better. That That's where we are. Company-wise, medicine-wise, all of the above. As long as your consumer feels like they're getting something from you, it doesn't really matter whether they are or not. That's why all this Facebook shit works. That's why this whole meta thing where they're fixing to make you jack in and do all this other bullshit is probably going to work for 95% of the population. Because I can do all the things that I used to have to go outside to do all from this one little thing. And I never have to go anywhere. And there there are people that will, that will buy into that. And it won't be us, but it'll happen. I think I just about made Stacy's head explode. <laughs> no, no, it's just very frustrating. It's very frustrating. Well, what's frustrating is we can because see I just I just pulled up what I wrote medication. about it, uh-huh. and not only can it kill cancer cells, it can also um, it may also be a, a a method to fight drug resistant bacteria, which is a huge problem in this country that they're not even tracking. Oh, yeah. Like the CDC has no idea how many people die of things like methicillin resistant staph, C. deficit. They have no idea. Because they don't care. <laughs> I mean, I, I hate Oh to- no, but they're still trying to convince me that 400 people died last week of COVID. No, 400 people died with COVID because you test everyone that goes into the hospital. Pretty much. Like, I have been in and out of more doctor's offices and procedure, you know, facilities, etc. in the past six months than I care to count. And I am so sick of mask theater. It's like literally to the point I want to scream at Northside Hospital going, you are supposed to be smart enough to provide me excellent health care, and you can't even figure out these fucking face diapers don't do a thing. Face diaper. The only thing they do is interfere 
with empathetic patient care. And if your people are so fucking scared of a virus that now causes the common cold, they can't take this goddamn thing off their face. you for half of it and you don't I, I won't I, I'll talk to your patients you know if a patient wants to wear one because they don't understand that's fine but to be told at the desk masks are required in this office really and I'm supposed to trust you to know the first thing about medicine when you don't even know the basics of virology When I look at a cardiologist wearing a paper mask trying to explain to me what is wrong with me, I'm just looking at that mask going, why am I trusting you again? I just want to like lick my hand and wipe it on the mask. Did you get your credentials from a cereal box? Because I'm just curious because you're wearing a mask still. (laughs) Yeah, I, I literally just want to like lick my hand and wipe it on the mask. It's so stupid, I can't even stand it. I just want to look around at all the patients in Northside Hospital and say, did y'all go to Walmart today? Y'all been to the bar to watch the Bulldogs? You wearing a mask? Take off your fucking mask. I have the right to keep you muzzled. They're all going shopping. They're all going to the bar. Why are we keeping this theater in the hospital like this is still actually a thing? Because it's not a thing. You should tell us how you really feel. Really, I'm supposed to trust you to advise me medically. My functional doctor doesn't make me wear one. My physical therapist don't make me wear one. But the really smart hospital and doctors do. Uh, AFYK. I mean, uh, drives me nuts. Short trip. Yeah, it's getting getting like exceptionally shorter. And you guys are all going to want to read my VIP about nudge units tomorrow. So I only have one question. Why does anybody or anything have to drive you nuts when you're basically right around the corner at this point? I didn't need to shorten the trip, okay? We didn't need to, but it happened anyway. If you know who Cass Sunstein is, you'll love my VIP tomorrow. <laughs> oh, I'll have to look into that later. You said tomorrow? Yeah. Cool. I'm I'm three quarter I'm, I'm three quarters of the way through now. Woo-hoo. Did you know President Barack Obama established a nudge unit by executive order in 2015? Nope. I did not. He did. Formally called the Social and Behavioral Science Team. Um, that seems kind of ominous. If you know who Cass Sunstein is, he's married to Samantha Power. Barack Obama and he were very good friends. Um, he's the author of the book Nudge. Go look up the write-up of Nudge on Amazon because all of these governments credit that book with setting up these units. Oh, joy. Oh, joy. Now I'm sufficiently terrified. Thank you. Oh, I won't, I won't keep you all in suspense. You can get the audio book. Since the original publication of Nudge more than a decade ago, the title has entered the vocabulary of business people, policymakers, engaged citizens, and consumers everywhere. The book has given rise to more than 200 Nudge units in governments around the world and countless groups of behavioral scientists in every part of the economy. 
It has taught us how to use thoughtful choice architecture, a concept the authors invented to help us make better decisions for ourselves, our families, and our society. Now the authors have rewritten the book from cover to cover, making use of their experiences in and out of government over the past dozen years, as well as an explosion of new research in numerous academic disciplines. To commit themselves to never undertaking this daunting task again, they are calling this the final edition. It offers a wealth of new insights for both of its avowed fans and newcomers to the field about a wide variety of issues we face in our daily lives, COVID-19, health, personal finance, retirement savings, credit card debt, home mortgages, medical care, organ donation, climate change, and sludge, the paperwork and other nuisances we don't want that keep us from getting to do what we do want, all while honoring the one kind cardinal rules, one of the cardinal rules of nudging, make it fun. Fun for who? The nudgers? To watch the little plebes run around and do exactly what they want them to do. Seems a little strange. Uh, very strange. Here, here's here's one of the nudge unit's accomplishments in Great Britain during the um, coronavirus. The nudge unit is working closely with the Department of Health and Social Care in crafting the government response. The most visible manifestation of its influence to date is the communication around hand washing and face touching, in particular the use of disgust as an incentive to wash hands and the suggestion of singing happy birthday to ensure hands are washed for the requisite 20 se- seconds. So this unit is very proud of incorporating the idea of disgust around COVID, which allowed us to look at our fellow citizens and our children as disease vectors rather than fellow human beings. Well, I mean, to be fair, you know, was the nudge unit was the nudge unit in the U.S. responsible for Deborah Burke's horrible story? Like, if you want to know how the U.S. became somewhat careless about its children, it all started with Deborah Burke's. I don't know if you remember this, but I was appalled by it. When she got up in the coronavirus task force and talked about her mother going to school and come coming home and giving her grandmother the Spanish flu or no, her grandmother coming home and giving her great grandmother, the, the Spanish flu and her great grandmother having just given birth dying. And now her grandmother felt guilty till the day she died for murdering her mother as if, as if catching a virus and transmitting it before you know you're sick can be equated with killing someone. That woman is more responsible for effing up our kids than anybody in this nation. And she will never pay a price for it. She got teachers and parents and grandparents to look at small children as disease vectors that they needed to be protected from rather than the most important asset we have that we should all pay a price for to spare them. Should be brave to spare them because they are the future. This narcissistic group of 360 millions decided to punish them, punish those who did not get sick, who did not really, really transmit the virus to calling according to all, all data, and treat them as if they were the problem rather than the virus itself. And I hope she burns in hell for it. So while I don't disagree that she's the number one cause to harm for our children recently, I'm going to say the Canadian shop teacher probably comes in a close second. No kidding. Well, I'll say the school district that isn't firing him is responsible for that. Seriously. Uh, yeah. He could be fired. Should be fired. <laughs> totally should be fired. Remember when it was just, you know, like funny Hollywood movies where people did stupid shit like this and now it's like happening for real? Yeah, we used to have we used to have a show that was called Bosom Buddies. Yep, one of my favorite shows as a kid. Tom <laughs> Hanks. Yep, yep. Yep, yep. That's where he got his start. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that. But On the sitcom. Yep. 
Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah, well, yeah, actually, so it was kind of, I believe, in order. I, I, I could be mixing up the first two, but it's either Tootsie and then Bosom Buddies, or Bosom Buddies led to Tootsie, and then eventually Mrs. Doubtfire. No, Tootsie, then Bosom Buddies, <laughs> then Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah, I knew it was probably something, but I knew, I couldn't remember which one came first, but yeah, D- Dustin Hoffman. I think did a, did did an amazing mm-hmm. job in Tootsie, honestly. Yep. <laughs> yep. Well, I think before we get out of here, we got to um, we got to play the education of Don Lemon. Oh, we do. I guess we can do that. Oh yes. A, a a mutual friend of ours and longtime listener who now hides on Twitter sent it to me this morning. <laughs> the lurker. Uh, all right. The lurker sent it to me this morning, and I was the first time I could listen to it was while I was on the stretcher waiting to be put under, and I laughed my butt off right before I went under. So, all right. So, do you happen to have it anywhere? It's in your DM. Okay. Hang on. I wasn't sure. I sent it to you. Uh, uh, computer and I are having an argument. Story of my life lately. Don Lennon thought he was being slick. Oh, I even know which one you're talking about. I actually was going to send that to you earlier, but I hadn't yet. Someday I'm going to have to ask Ordy why being a turnip farmer is a bad thing. I'm not sure. I... Well, I planted turnips. Oh, wait. I... Al gets to hear all about them on the last Sunday of the month. I think it has more I think to... that's next Sunday. I think it has more to do with one of his characters from... Oh. The... Oh, wait. The no, this is the last there. Sunday of the month coming up. Sorry, I just realized I was in the station account, so hang on just a second. All right, here we go. Well, this is coming when, you know, there's all of this wealth, and you hear about it, comes as England is facing rising costs of living, a living crisis, austerity budget cuts, and so on. And then you have those who are asking uh, for reparations for colonialism, and they're wondering, you know, $100 billion, $24 billion here and there, $500 million there. Some people want to be paid back, and uh, and members of the public are wondering why are we suffering when you are, you know, you have all of this vast wealth. Those are legitimate concerns. Well, I think you're right about reparations in terms of if people want it, though, what they need to do is you always need to go back to the beginning of a supply chain. Where was the beginning of the supply chain? That was in Africa, and when that crossed the entire world when the slavery was taking place. Which was the first nation in the world that abolished sla- uh, slavery? The first nation in the world abolish it. It was started by William Wilberforce was the British. In, in Great Britain, they abolished slavery. 2,000 naval men died on the high seas trying to stop slavery. Why? Because the African kings were rounding up their own people. They had them on cages waiting in the beaches. No one was running into Africa to get them. And I think you're totally right. If reparations need to be paid, we need to go right back to the beginning of that supply chain and say who was rounding up their own people and having them handcuffed in cages. Absolutely, that's where they should start. And maybe, I don't know, the descendants of those families where they died at the, in the high seas trying to stop the slavery, that those families should receive something too, I think, at the same time. It's an interesting discussion, Hillary. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. We'll continue to, to discuss in the future. <laughs> Don Lemon struck speechless. Wow. <laughs> well, the look on his face was just like... Oh. Priceless, and that is the same week where, like, what is the name of that movie? Like, Woman King or something? Uh, I, I know which one you're talking about, but I can't think of the name of it right now. I think it's Woman King, the Woman King movie, and it's a complete rewrite <laughs> about a tribe in Africa. Supposedly, they're fighting against colonialism for their freedom. They were actually selling slaves to the colonialists. Like, when you look at the actual history, somebody actually went and looked it up. They were, like, prime slave providers to the slave trade. 
Yeah, I mean, well, that's the thing nobody talks about when they start talking about, you know, reparations and everything else. The, the issue, I mean, at, at the time this was happening, slaves were prominent everywhere. And the thing about it is, it's just like what she just said. These people weren't going into Africa and capturing these people. These people were already, you know, they had already been in land disputes, tribal wars, whatever, and they were the ones who lost. So to get rid of them, the people that won were putting them in cages and leaving them for people to come take them away. That's why, I mean, honestly, and this is something that I've heard from actual people from Africa. You know, they'll, they'll cut, they'll, and I used to work with one. He looked at me one day and said, why do people from... Why do, why do black people in this country call themselves African-Americans? They're not from Africa. They're from here. I said it's because that's where they originally came from. And this this was his exact set, this is his exact response. You know what we call them where I'm from, which is actually Africa? And I said, no, what? The losers. That's how they got here. I was like, ouch. <laughs> oh, my God. I was like, it's ouch. Being, it's being so banned on Reddit. <laughs> This is going to be one of those films that a decade from now, people will look back and wonder who the hell thought this was a good idea. Oh, man. Uh, Fun times. Yeah. All right. So as we start making our way out of here, you got any final thoughts? Oh, no. I just I can't wait to tell you all about nudge units. I don't want to know. Huh? I said I don't want to know. Well, but I think it. I think it's instructive only because if you listen to to Desmond, right, the guy who did mass formation, um, mass formation theory, and he's got long form interviews on both Epic Times uh, American Thought Leaders and Tucker Carlson today. Very interesting guy. A third of the population is immune to this. Like even the behavioral scientists can't bullshit them. And he's like, that's the third of the population that keeps needs to keep telling the truth. No matter what. So that's the, that's the, you know, the Pierre Corey's of the world, the Peter McCullough's of the world, the people who looked at it, you know, the, the um, Alex Berenson's of the world. The people who are willing to dig find the real information and keep telling the truth until people hear them because 30% are not prone to to falling for this. 30% are completely consumed by it. And then there's about 40% in the middle. And if the 30% who are not subject to it keep talking the truth and keep telling the truth, they're going to pull some of that 40% to the side of truth. These behaviorists aren't as freaking smart as they think they are. They're not, they, like, they can't, they can't mess with everyone. No, this is true. All right, so where can folks find you, Stacy? Oh, you can find me at Scott's Fire on Twitter. And I'm sorry I said I hope Debbie Burks burns in hell, but she really screwed up some stuff. Don't apologize for being honest. Yeah, I know. But it's just, oh, Everything that's coming out is just so bad for our kids. All right. Well, um, here in a minute, you'll, you can find me pushing buttons for Brad and Aggie, or as I like to say, pushing Brad and Aggie's buttons, because, you know, it's fun. Um, doing Well, and they're all going to get to drink now, right? Because it's the cocktail lounge? Oh, yeah. I'm about to go, I'm about to go mix my drink before... We start. Oh, good. Good. Why not? Um, and then I'll be back tomorrow afternoon doing an America Off the Rail show at 7 Eastern. Then I'm pushing buttons for G, pushing buttons for the ladies at Red Wine. And then Audie and I are going to finish things off at 10 Eastern on the Wednesday Night Chat Lives Matter edition on KLR Radio. And then either Jen and I will be back Thursday night at 10 Eastern, or it may just be me with some special guests. Jen's been kind of taking it easy lately, been kind of a bit under the weather, got some other stuff going on. So she's a. Uh, she may or may not come sit in with me. We'll figure it out one way or the other. And then I'll be back on Friday night doing the He Said, She Said show in the place of the lovable Mickey Bowtorch. And I think Aggie's ready to have him back. But he's not quite done with all his new work stuff. And then I will be off uh, for the rest of the week until Tuesday again. Um, Ordi and I are going to have to do a makeup episode of the Juxtaposition show because I went down on the back over the weekend. So we missed it on Saturday. 
I'm not going to be able to make it up this Saturday because it's the last day for me to be able to take my kids to the fair. So we're going to, Gracie didn't get to go last year because of all the pandemic stuff, so we're going this year. So that's why there will be no ducks on Saturday night, so we'll have to figure it out another time. But on that note, we got to go because I got other people that are going to be ready to do their stuff in like 10 minutes and they're going to be like, what are we doing? Where are you at? Where'd you go? Anyway, we're going to get out of here. You guys enjoy the rest of your Tuesday night. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. This has been whatever. I'm Rick. She's Stacy. We'll be back next week. And I'll be back in just a second for some buttons. Bye.